In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. O God, give us grace to hear these words, to read them, to mark them, to learn them and inwardly digest them so that this new light of your incarnate word indeed would be enkindled in our hearts and shine forth in our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good evening and welcome. It is December 27th. It is the first Sunday after Christmas. And December 27th also is the feast day of St. John, the apostle, evangelist, and theologian. And you can tell why we call St. John theologian after hearing these words from his prologue, because they beautifully articulate, they mystically articulate, and they clearly articulate the mystery of the incarnation, that somehow the only begotten and eternal word of only begotten Son and eternal word of God the one of whom we speak in the creed, who is begotten, not made, of one being or essence with the Father, that he was with God in the beginning, and he is the Word of God, and that all things that were made were made through him. Not only that, but he is life, and his life is the light of men, and that that light has shined in the darkness. That that same word that is life and light, that was with God from the beginning and has now come to us, has become flesh and dwelt among us. A fascinating progression. And finally, at the very end, we hear his name, Jesus Christ. So he is a particular person a human being, fully God, fully man, who has come in flesh, incarnate to dwell 
among us, to be with us. And he came with a very specific mission that to all who would receive him, verse 12, to all who would believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of man or the flesh, but of God. And so it's fascinating. In St. Athanasius, in his treatise on the Incarnation, speaks of it this way, that God became man so that man could become like God. And here it is, this core and key mystery of our Christian faith, and you are here to celebrate it. This is what we typically call low Sunday. Do you know why? Because the temperature's low? No. It's just, a, it's a slow day. But this day, every year, is when this whole prologue of this gospel is read. It is fascinating. And it should serve to us, to all of us who are participating, whether online or in person, it should serve as a reminder to us that there's something here to be discovered. Not something new that we're inventing, not something that we're finding in ourselves because we're following our hearts. <laughs> read, read the latest bumper sticker. We have the opportunity to discover afresh and anew who Jesus Christ is. Now, the prayer for tonight, the collect for this first Sunday after Christmas did you notice what it said? If you want to, look at your bulletin. It's on page four or five, I believe. The reason I want you to look at it is because maybe if you have a pen or pencil with you, it says, Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light. That word light should have a capital L because this light isn't just like the spirit of Christmas or, you know, some sort of nameless light or even some sort of nameless deity that sets things in motion and he is good and providential but quite so distant. This is capital L, literal light. When God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, when it was formless and void, when it was completely chaotic and the spirit brooded over the waters, what did he say? Let there be light. He is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. And so this prayer that we just prayed, see, do you see how you are blessed and highly favored for being here? This prayer that we prayed on this first Sunday after Christmas asks, it's, or acknowledges that God has poured upon us the new light of his incarnate word. Something that had never been seen or experienced when Christ came to earth broke upon the scene. That's why the shepherds were terrified. The angels, yes, glorious, but even much more so, this Son of God. Remember the, the letter to the Hebrews? To which one of the angels did God say, today you are my son, I've begotten you. If angels are amazing and glorious, then how much more glorious, how much more perfect is this light of the incarnate word? And notice what we're asking this first Sunday after Christmas. Grant, give us this new light 
Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Now, when we think about this literal light, think about the Old Testament. When did the children of God, when did the people of God see light that didn't really make sense? Well, we think of Moses in the burning bush. That this bush was aflame, it was on fire, but it was not being consumed. This is the light of God. Okay? We know that the people of Israel, as they're wandering through the desert, but specifically when they're crossing the Red Sea, they were led by a pillar of fire. This is the light of God. Again, it's not some nameless, nebulous, oh, you know, light. It's God Almighty, the one who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one whom when Moses asked, who should I tell them is sending me? He says, I am. Tell them I am, or I will be what I will be is sending you. When Isaiah had his heavenly vision, when he saw the Lord seated high upon his throne in the temple, he saw this light, this uncreated light, this energy of God. And even more recently, flash forward, past John 1. Remember Peter, James, and John, up Tabor they went. On Tabor they beheld this light, as a poem and a song says that we all love so well. And they beheld Christ transfigured. They beheld this uncreated light. So when we pass the light as we sing Silent Night, it's a symbol of what's really real. And our world has done us a disservice. Satan has whispered in our ears and, and caused us to doubt. And our own flesh, our own passions, our own inwardly curved nature of sin has led us to believe, well, what is this light? Is this really real? Is God really among us? Did he become flesh and dwell among us? We may not have seen the light in the same way that Moses and the people of Israel and Isaiah and Peter, James, and John have, but we have seen this light, have we not? Maybe as we've been reading the Holy Scriptures or as someone's been preaching to us or a friend has been sharing with us or a Sunday school teacher or a parent, we've beheld this light. We have seen. We think of what Jesus told Thomas who said, unless I see the piercings in his hands and the, the mark in his side, I will never believe. And Thomas finally gives in, my Lord and my God. And what does Jesus say at that moment? You have seen and believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We are blessed because we have not seen with our own eyes this light, yet we believe. We have been born anew from above, as Jesus would tell Nicodemus a few chapters later in John. We have been born of water and the Spirit. So, what are you going to do with the next few days before New Year's. 
I want you to ask yourself this question. How do we ensure this light, remember capital L, which is the light of men, is enkindled in us and shines forth from us? How are we going to ensure that this light, which is the light of men, not just dudes, but of all people, of all created people in all creation, how can we be sure that it's enkindled in us and it shines forth? Well, the first thing that we can do, because we need to do something about this, if, if, we, if this really is the Word of God, if this really is the kingdom of God to which we come, then we must take action. The first thing that we can do is believe. We saw it in verse 12. I'll read it to you again so that you can remember it. But grasp the profoundness of these words. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. He gave the right to become, as St. Paul would say in Galatians 3 and 4, adopted children. We're not sons of slaves, but we're now sons of the Most High God. And we have this spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit in us, that cries out from us, Abba, Father, that's how we know that this light is in us. But it's not enough just to believe, like cognitively, like, yeah, I believe there's an exit sign right there. And this, see, this is where our world has us all messed up. We have to believe, or we're, rather, we're invited to believe with all of our being, with every fiber of who we are, and to keep believing to receive him and keep receiving him over and over and over, to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and, yes, keep confessing. And you know what's going to happen? Just like we say every baptismal service, you're going to sin. So when you sin, confess and repent and keep repenting. Friends, if we can engage in that sort of believing, then the light of Christ, of the incarnate word, cannot help but be enkindled in us. Do you know why? Because our lives will be so consumed with him. Our lives will be so wrapped up in gazing upon him and beholding him and becoming more like him. But what do we believe? Right now, our country is overrun with what uh, sociologists call moral therapeutic deism. That is a sort of pseudo-Christianity that says God is good, which God is good, and he wants us to be nice to each other. That's sort of true. And as long as I work hard and am nice to other people, then it, all turn, it will all turn out all right for me and I'll go to heaven when I die. That's not Christianity, when we look to the pinnacle of what it means to be a follower and lover of God, we look to the cross, which is this self-giving love, which has to do with each other, with a community. And so we believe that Christ is who he says he is. We believe the words of John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what we believe. We don't search for the truth deep inside of our hearts. Surely there's truth hidden there if you've read the Holy Scriptures and heard them. 
but yet we receive the truth from God Almighty. So we believe. Secondly, immerse yourself in the rhythms of the church. Now, some of these words, here's what I'm not saying, that you need to do more stuff. But I am saying it is an invitation to engage in the rhythms of the church. And what I mean by that is I do mean the calendar. There's a reason we celebrate Christmas. It's not just to give each other gifts. It's to mark this momentous mystery called the incarnation. Immerse yourselves in it. Be baptized in it. Read your Bible. Some of you may get shivers and shudders of PTSD from church earlier in your life. When I read my Bible, I just feel better. And you know what? If I, there's a problem that comes into my life or comes into my frame of reference, I'm going to approach it from God's point of view. But I'm st I still have my flesh. I'm still going to do stupid stuff. I'm still going to get angry. I'm still going to get, you know, all this stuff. But I want to immerse myself. I want the, the new light of this incarnate word to be enkindled and shine forth in me. So read your Bible. Daily prayer. Pray morning, noon, at night. If you don't know what else to do, say the Lord's Prayer, morning, noon, at night. Get one of our daily reading devo devotional booklets. Get the Dwell Audio Bible app. You can have the whole daily office lectionary read to you by an, a various sundry voices with music in the background. It's beautiful. But do something to get the Word of God into you because you and I naturally aren't that great. <laughs> Come on, guys. I know it's late, you're tired, it's Christmas. Immerse yourselves in the rhythms of the church fast. If you cannot tell yourself no, learn to tell yourself no. One saint, I think it was St. Anthony the Great, kind of the, the father of all monastics who lived in Egypt and went out into the desert, he said, learn to control your tongue and your stomach. Give. Find the poor. Give to them. Ask them to pray for you. Tithe. Be faithfully committed in your local community, which most likely is St. Bart's if you're here right now. So believe, immerse yourself in the rhythm, rhythms of the church, and be with the people of God. Be in community while you do this stuff. Talk with other people about it. Heck, make a friend. Create relationships. Do life together. It's a novel concept. It's hard right now. COVID, etc. But what will we do after COVID? Will we stay away? Or will we come out? Will we see? Will we meet? Will we talk? And will we do these things? Believe, confess, repent, pray, read, the calendar, Pray, fast, give. Will we do that in community? We are saved in community. We're born in community. We die in community. We are saved in community. Risk with others. Make yourself accountable to others. Find someone to serve. Hmm. In a word, all of these things sum up what St. John 
the apostle, evangelist, and theologian did. Have you ever noticed that in all the high holy days we always read John? Why is that? Was it because he was the beloved disciple and he was closest to Jesus and so, well, he probably had more details? Or is it because he was given Mary? Do you remember that? The cross, woman, behold your son, son, behold your woman. So John took Mary in as his own mother. And who knows the stories that he heard from her? That might be why we read John. Maybe that's why he had insight. But I think it's because he knew Jesus really, really well. I think it's because he was not afraid to gaze upon him, not just in life, but after Jesus was ascended, to quiet himself and to listen and to beg God for the new light of this incarnate word to be enkindled in him and to shine forth through him. And we look at the New Testament and that light shines forth in pen and ink. It's a beautiful thing. May God do for us just as he has done for St. John. Let's pray. God in heaven, help us. Help us because we're tired. Help us because sometimes we forget why we are here. We forget the purpose and the reason of why you've made us in the world. Help us remember. Help us be oriented to you. Save us by your grace. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.